listening to What We Do in Elysium, your source for news, strategy, and discussion for Vampire the Masquerade Rivals card game. Hi everyone, Alex here. I wanted to give a brief disclaimer at the start of this episode because the discussion kind of jumps right into it from the get-go. Uh, and the reason for that is this was actually chronologically the first thing Colin and I recorded as a proof of concept for the show as a whole. We originally envisioned this being one segment of a greater episode, but we ended up talking for about 45 minutes, so we figure we'll just make it into its own thing. With that said, I'll let my past self take over from here. Happy listening. Okay, uh, so if you're new to uh, Vampire Rivals or uh, want to know more about what Season Zero was, um, basically it was an online format using the Tabletopia website, uh, and it was five games uh, in a Swiss format, so you should always be playing someone either uh, same record as you or close to it, uh, and you had the choice of four of the pre-constructed starter decks uh so one for each faction uh, and this led to its own kind of season zero meta uh that we kind of settled into which got shaken up a couple times throughout the tournament um which is another note this wasn't your regular tournament which i think some people didn't get right away um do you want to talk about what those changes were yeah, yeah. So um, the the well, the, so the first thing <clears throat> they messed around with, they tinkered with the uh, some of the main the rules of, of the city deck. Um, you know, based on what had happened in the first few games, I think that was week three. Um, they they did some things with the, with the sad and the prince uh, title, um, and we're we're going to kind of talk about that in, in our overall impressions. But then in weeks uh, four and five. <clears throat> they um, opened up the the card the card pool a little bit, so they they put in some of the uh, crypt cards that come in the core set that aren't in the faction deck. So I think in, in week four, um, every faction had an option of adding two uh, library cards, you know, actions or, or whatever. And then in round five, they they opened up a, everybody had two extra vampire choices that you could you know select your. Uh, your vampires from so it just gave it gave a few more options a, f- a few you know kind of opened up the play uh play styles a little bit which was kind of nice yeah i think um with the length of the tournament it being five rounds um i think starting the changes with round three was probably the perfect time to do that you don't get too settled in to what you were working with but it also allowed some uh neat changes uh, i think overall uh, Renegade, um, the, both the mats, uh, the designer and um, Matt Holland uh, ran a nice, <laughs> ran a tight ship, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, looks like the numbers we have here. We had 110 people sign up, um, and 72 players still in it by the end of week five. Uh, I think that's a pretty good retention rate. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I was I was pretty impressed for a game that's you know nobody has in hand. Uh, it was all online. I think I don't I don't know how many people had played used Tabletopia before, but probably a new interface for a lot of people. I was I was pretty impressed by the numbers. Yeah, I had never used Tabletopia. Um, I don't know what came first, uh, Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator. Uh, if you're not familiar, that's uh, an application on Steam which 
does the same purpose. It's built to simulate an actual tabletop environment. It's very similar uh, in controls. Um, but yeah, it was pretty neat. Uh, I, I think what Renegade uh, did with obviously everything going on in the world right now, um, having any sort of pre-release league um, while there's, you know, obviously the coronavirus and everything going on, uh, it was very cool. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, I, that's, I think, a big reason why we're sitting here, right, is because we, we, you know, it, one of the things that hooked us in uh, and made us <laughs> want to talk about it, right? So. Yeah, um, and the other thing that, you know, anyone can get hooked, hooked on um, is the prizing. So we haven't talked about that, talked about that yet. Um, so even though this was a pre-release online-only league, uh, they are still offering physical prizes, um, which is really cool. Um, so if you haven't played a lot of the game yet, you have a couple different types of tokens. Um, one of those tokens being agenda. Um, so four and one got uh, a set of actually two play sets worth of those tokens, which um, the people that got those started realizing when they came in the mail, it wasn't just one play sets worth. It was two play sets worth. Yeah. Which, which is pretty cool, right? So like you can sit down with somebody else and you both have the fancy you know, your fancy yep. tokens. Which... And then uh, everyone who went undefeated, I think, is that three people? Uh, maybe three or four. Three or four. Not, yeah, not a ton. Uh, they got the tokens plus an Elderwood Academy Vampire Rivals um, themed deck box, um, which if you haven't seen those before, they're very cool. It's all wood, uh, a couple different compartments for your tokens plus your deck. Um, very, very nice prizing for, again, what amounts to a pre-release online only, uh, basically hype tournament. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, a nice little, nice little bit of swag. Um, you know, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. I think. Cool. Uh, you want to go into actual, our, our games? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can, I can kick it off. So before I had played one uh, demo game on Tabletopia during one of the times they had it, they had the demo period open with just a, a local guy, um, <clears throat> which you know we had a few uh, rules mistakes that we learned about later. But you know, but it was it was fun. Um, I played. I think as I think a lot of people did. I played my first game as Bruja um, and won that one. And then I played the last four. I played as Ventru because I, I tried them out and I just kind of really, they kind of clicked with me and my play style. Um, so I really, I really kind of enjoyed that. Uh, and I think most of my games, if not all of my last four, I think there's at least three where I played against Toreador, um, which as you'll kind of see, you know, if we get into the stats a little bit, those were <laughs> very uh, prominent, you know, factions. So, um, I ended. I think I ended up at three and two. I had I had a couple, you know, real good games, close games. Uh, that's one thing I, I ended up enjoying about Ventru is I think all of my games went at least like seven or eight rounds because that's just kind of how they mm-hmm. how they play. So um, yeah, it was it was fun. How about how about you? Yeah, um, I only I think I played two demos um, to start before the tournament, uh, and those were unguided. Those were just with other people on Tabletopia. Um, again, same kind of just going through the rules like any game. Um, same thing. First game was Bruja because I had heard like Bruja was uh, killing it in the <laughs> in the win rate at the beginning, um, which we can get into. Uh, the rest of them was Toridor. Uh, I definitely like their play style just um, 
as a card player myself. So I kind of just fell into that. Um, once I, I lost my first game, so I was like, okay, I'll just play what I like. Um, I ended up finishing technically three and one. Um, I had a couple scheduling issues throughout the tournament um, to no one's real fault. Uh, just by the luck of the pairings ended up with a couple people like gross, like eight hour differences. So it, it just yeah. kind of shaked out that way. And um, yeah, it's something that happens on these kind of online things, right? Yeah. And it's, it's just something that happens. Like no, no one's at fault for it. Um, like I, I mentioned before, Matt Holland, he was running the whole thing. Um, very cool about the whole thing. He still pri- uh, t- quote prized me out as if I had won four. So I managed to get the tokens that way. So that again, awesome stuff there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a great time. Uh, everyone, all the players I played with, um, had fun doing it. Even, even if some of the mechanics, which we'll again get into in a little bit, were kind of snowball-y. Um, but one thing I, um, liked about the game is all of my games, even though, um, you know, obviously one person comes out ahead in the end, uh, the whole thing was kind of neck and neck. There was never really a point in any of the games where, I felt someone had like a blowout lead and they were just going to run with it to the end. Uh, it, it always felt like everyone was always in the game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely had a couple where I was like, okay, I think I'm in control, but something can always mess up your plan. I think, you know, the two games I felt pretty good about one of them I won and one of them I lost. Right. So, um, yeah, as of right now, I totally agree. It's, it's, it's quite back and forth and there's not really a, uh, or they're at least not as much, uh, not very many experiences of just blowouts. I think the closest you get is was probably some of the Bruja, you know, rush stuff. But but I mean, I think that kind of ta- tailored off a lot as as a of all as people learned <laughs> a little bit. You know, there's <laughs> some kind of uh, fools mate type situations. Uh, you know, you can get yourself into, um, and then also it kind of as they as they adjusted the card pool a little bit. I, you know, I think. I think that those kind of real quick traps, people started getting away from them, and, and yeah, games were a lot closer, at least in my experience. Yeah, I think the the first thing probably everyone learned right off the bat with uh, the game overall, but it was kind of Bruja that forced this fact out in the open, is you definitely want to at least recruit one vampire your first turn uh, so far, no matter what. <laughs> I don't think there yep. was ever a, yep. a, a situation where you would ever not want to do that. Yep, um, with the with the original card pool, uh, round one and two, Bruja just had a lot of uh, ability to literally come out swinging and potentially just KO your uh, starting vampire right out the bat. Yeah, I mean, I, I know my first game, I only ever played two vampires because they were just <laughs> that's what that was all I needed to to kind of make the attacks I needed to do, you know, because um, they're just they're strong. Their leader is strong. Uh, and again, I think as people got used to playing, you know, against it, it, it kind of evened out, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a straightforward strategy. And usually that's one of the easier ones to, for everybody to pick up. Yeah. Of the four decks, it's definitely the one that was uh, go fast, win fast. <laughs> and that in a limited environment, like a pre-constructed one is usually the one that ends up being stronger, because it has just the easiest way to get to the finish line. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
but then I think also it's it's kind of interesting that I think over the course of the tournament, probably somewhat due to due to figuring it out and somewhat due to the card pool changes, I think Toriador really kind of emerged by the end as like the faction to be right, the clan to be totally. Um, so I don't know if we want to kind of I, I put down some year end stats here. Um, so the overall yeah. win rates, you know, Toriador won ended up about fifty eight percent, which is obviously pretty strong but what's interesting is that Bruja and Venture were also just above 50 and then Malkavian's all the way down at 35 so it, even though it sounds like I mean obviously winning 60% of your games is, is real good in a card game but it's really I think more that Malkavian just didn't do anything yeah Malkavian was I think I only played one um, throughout the tournament it's it's hard to judge their power level based on this quote meta that we had. Um, they definitely have the most different of the playstyles uh, than the other three. At least that's I would say they. Before I even played the Malkavian player, I didn't even do any sort of interaction with. Um, are they schemes or conspiracies? So conspiracies is the ones that Malkavians have the face down build up. That's right. Down. Okay. So can, yeah. I, I'm going to confuse a lot of the similarly <laughs> named uh, yes. mechanics in this game. Um, so yeah, I, I hadn't even touched or seen anyone mess with that mechanic until Malkavian did it. Right. And I can see how it would be strong in the future. Um, but I just think they were the most hampered by the pre-constructed uh, decks. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I mean, I think a of all the the precon, I think they have like they just, from what I can tell, they just don't really have a vampire that scares you, right? Like, like I think all the other factions have somebody that can do some damage or really kind of lead into a, a a snowball economically or something. You know, I mean, I think they're the only faction that doesn't have a six uh, six potency. You know vampire to start like even as an option to start with so right um, yeah their highest is uh tie between Govna and doc at five right yeah so you know so again it's just a different style um i think i think probably also one-on-one especially the way that the starter deck is built i think is more geared towards multiplayer um not that, not that I think Malkavian in general can only play multiplayer, but just like the way that the starter deck is built, I think is built more for multiplayer. And, you know, so I, I'm interested to see what people do with them once we can build. But, but yeah, they were clearly the, the fourth, uh, fourth best in, in this tournament. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, go on and keep going down the line. Yeah. So um, the other. Well, okay, so let's talk uh, Ventru, because it's the one I know best. Um, so Ventru, I like because it's it kind of plays its own game a little bit. Uh, not 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 you know, it's not totally isolation. Like this is not a game where you can just ignore what your opponent's doing by any means. But more than I think, at least again in the starters, more than the other the other two, Ventru can kind of get its points without really interacting which means you your interactions you can kind of focus on playing defense a little bit mm-hmm. um, which I which again is kind of I like that that style so that's I think why I gravitated towards them um, they definitely in, in the starter deck 
if things if if things come out in the right order, you can really just pop off. Uh, you know, if you get the if you get the sheriff title or not the sheriff, the, uh, the herald title quick, the, the cost reducer, and and <clears throat> snowball into the right titles, and you know, prince doesn't come out early, and, come, and you can you know you can just roll over people. But the flip side is right. Uh, if Prince comes out early, sometimes you're not ready to get it and, and it can be real, it can be kind of an uphill battle. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. And, and, and I also, I like their Haven a lot because you can, like, as, as playing against a lot of Toreador, you can kind of control what's in the street and deny them some points too. So again, like, I just, I like that sort of. You know, I'm going to play defense and play reactive and, and slowly build up my points. That To me, that's what, at least again, that's what the venture play style is right now. Totally, yeah. And that, that kind of speaks to me as well, too. Um, I'm excited to try, uh, I think a lot of people are excited to try a, a Toreador Ventru deck. Oh, yeah. Uh, just just kind of sit back, uh, build up your resources, uh, maybe head to the streets to get a couple mortals every once in a while um which i think the precon uh the precon venture haven was a royal retreat and that's you can discard a city mortal to pull another one um basically just filtering you know get the best card at, at the moment that you want out of it um so i'll talk about toreador a little bit um i do think that they were probably the best suited to be kind of a switch deck um they could definitely win by either of the win conditions. Um, they had ability to drain prestige. They have the ability to uh, buff their attacks or just gain agenda. So it, it's, I think it was tricky for a lot of my opponents to kind of figure out which way I was playing. Um, definitely the one thing you don't want to let Toreador do is get free roam of the streets and just start grabbing citizens. Um, that is probably the quickest way for them to win. Um, Cause you're getting at least two agenda every time they attach someone uh, one from the agenda, which was uh, attach a citizen gain one. And most citizens have one naturally. So you're getting two every time you do that. And you know, you only need to do that seven times to win. So that was, uh, that was probably the easiest way to victory. Um, but they also have, like I said, a lot of buffing of the attacks ability um, like the, the leader Lishu just plus one for social if uh, plus one for the first social uh, attack as long as you have any uh, a retainer uh, that's that was very strong um, the one time I kind of felt like I had to play on the back foot was versus Bruja uh, I spent a lot of time in the Haven uh, just kind of building up making him drain his resources to come attack me uh, and then I got to a point where uh, I think Prince came out on my turn and I had a, a chance to grab it, and I think most of his attackers were exhausted. So that was like the perfect moment to grab that and kind of just still stay back and protect the prince. So I think uh, I'm definitely excited to try out, uh, like we said, Toreador Ventru. I think that's going to be really strong. Because <laughs> yeah. oh, as, yeah. as we know in most card games, if, if you can sit back and uh, just do your own thing, it's probably going to be strong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's also... Good to know for Toreador, they're also good at social, which seems a little less common. Um, among, yeah. you know, at least at least among some of the big hitters, like I think that was kind of Bruja's thing, right? Is like, even though they're strong and powerful, but sometimes Toreador can hit back because 
you know, Bruja can't, like, they, they kind of can't defend very well against each other. Right, and I think Toreador, at least uh, as last I remember from the last round's deck, they have a lot more reactions um, that can mitigate attacks on them, either by stealing blood when they get attacked, or stealing prestige, either way. Right. Uh, Bruja's was just very much just go ham and get to the finish line, whereas... Yeah. Uh, Toreador can kind of mitigate if you try to come at them directly. Yeah, actually, I think that's kind of a good point, because I think all three of the others... Uh, I mean, Malkavian has one of the best uh, defenses, right, is the the one that gives everybody in the party um, block... Uh, I forget what it's called. Uh, but... <clears throat> let's see if... Uh, Cloak of Shadows, there we go. So it's, everybody has plus one block for every obfuscate mm-hmm. and then ventru has the um every, you know I, I get plus two block for everybody in my party with a title which i mean like <laughs> i remember deflecting a like five damage attack without taking a scratch because like three three titles in the party is, is not that hard for ventru to get and you can just mm-hmm. totally shut down an attack yeah um, um... Toreador had Fleetness, which is plus two for each celerity. Um, most of them had at least one naturally, and then um, a lot. I think try to remember how many in the Mortal deck. Uh, uh, there was at least yeah, one or two that also give you celerity, so that's potentially four block. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Exactly. And, and so again, I think you know, Bruja had a, a couple, but just didn't have as many. I mean, one one of their reactions was, uh, actually, two of the reactions were deal damage, right? Like, uh, 38 special is a ranged reaction, mm-hmm. and baseball bat is a physical reaction, and both of them just deal damage, don't actually yep. protect you. Um, it's basically hit for hit. Yeah. Oh, slap in the face, too, right? So, they have, they have uh, fleetness, I think one copy of fleetness, too, uh, but, but other than that, it's, there's no defense, it's all offense, and so... Mm. Um, again, I think you know as you get used to it, you 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 kind of dig for cards because that's another more 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 broadly than specific clans. That's another thing I both learned and, and enjoy is like card draw. You know, like you can just draw a card. <laughs> that's one of your yep. two actions. And sometimes you just want to draw cards because you either you need that defense card before you go out in the street. Or for venture, right? Like I'm digging for a title so that I can play it. Um, you know, cards. Like it was uh, most of my games. I think I ended up with ten or twelve cards in my hand um, because I would just a lot of times. You know, if there's not a whole lot to do, instead of going out to the street and and just getting a, a retainer that wasn't really going to help me, I just draw a card. Yeah. Um... That's actually a good segue into my next uh, topic. Um, I was going to go into the action economy. Um, oh, yeah, this yeah. game is 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 interesting and unique in its action economy. Uh, so you only get two actions a turn. Um, and on, on the one game that I played Bruja, uh, I definitely felt that. Like, it definitely reins you in and makes you think about uh, what you want to do and what you can actually get done with the, <laughs> with the actions that are afforded to you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the same thing, uh, you, you naturally draw two at the end of your turn, uh, but then you can also just draw another two. So there were definitely turns where if I was hurting and I really wanted to mend, I would just, okay, I'm drawing four. Um, 
And I definitely learned kind of in the later rounds that mending is super important. Yes. Yes. I, I think that's, I think I didn't appreciate it until I got into it, but like, you know, just discarding a card to mend a vampire is another reason to just draw cards because at very, at the worst you're healing a vampire by one. Um, and that can be the difference between them going into torpor and, and not. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like <clears throat> sometimes that's, that's all you really need is you just need uh, to keep them out of torpor. Um, or, of course, you can also discard to, to mend in torpor and, and get them back faster. Like that was, uh, you know, all the guards, you can get back the next turn if you discard a card. All the guards being the uh, the three three potency they can just block against range attacks. They're just there to, you know, soak up attacks, right? But mm-hmm. they go into Torpor, you can get them back the next turn. So again, having a full hand lets you mend those vampires and also gives you more options with what you can do during your turn. Yeah, and I think, uh, as far as I remember, there weren't a ton of ways to mend uh, through card effects. I know um, Toriador had the one where if you attach a retainer you can mend one i think uh bruja had if you knock someone out you everyone can mend one yeah, yeah. um and then ventru ventru has a couple they have uh, actually i think ventru probably has the best um because they have a well assuming you can get it off but they have a a scheme i think that's that just like heals uh three i mean now i gotta look oh i see it here yeah yeah so mercy Yes, uh, there's Mercy and there's another one too, though. Uh, oh, no. Late Night Snack, which is just an action. Um, so it's Reach Fortitude, Heal, Mend of Blood. Mm-hmm. And there's there's quite a few Fortitude, including uh, Montgomery White has double Fortitude. So a lot of times I was healing three off of that card, oh, nice. um, which can be really, again, really strong because they, you know, they knock out um, Stevie, who is almost always my, my leader, the five, you know, five blood, knock her right. out. Next turn, play a play a late night snack, discard a card to Mender, and she's right back in. Like, you know, you it just you're not used to that um, kind of flow. Uh, and and again, so going back to the action economy point, right? With with Bruja or more general with any sort of aggro, you know, aggressive strategy, trying to knock out your opponent's vampires. Like you you can't just you're not almost never going to be able to just knock all of them out in one turn. So you have mm-hmm. to kind of plan your attacks several turns in advance and be like, okay, if I knock out this one, this turn, and then they can heal back, you know, to two. And so then I'll have to knock out this one the next turn. And then I can knock out the last, you know, you have to plan it several turns in advance, which is kind of nice. You, you know, you, you don't, you don't get to just run people over necessarily uh, without thinking about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely felt not hamstringed by the action economy, but I definitely wasn't let to be like run wild or anything like that. It definitely makes you think Uh, the other, before I forget the other mending card, which I don't think got a lot of play because I, I personally don't think this card's good. Um, Is emergency blood bag. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't so think it's good either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it would be better if it didn't have to be a wounded character. Uh, so oh, wounded right. is half or less. Uh, if it wasn't for yes. that, maybe. But 
yeah, I don't think it's good enough with the rest of the options that are yep. available. Which is which is also, I think, a good a good rules point uh, worth pointing out uh, for anybody else that, like me, didn't catch that line in the rule book first. Wounded does not just mean hurt. Uh, it means under half. So you can't just ping somebody for one and then kill them with uh, coup de gras. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, I mean, still, still, I think, a pretty good card, but it's not uh, quite as insane as it first looks. Mm-hmm. So... All right, so jumping on that, uh, first impressions. At first, what did you think about Prince of the City? So, I mean, obviously, it's you know, <laughs> Prince of the City is, is a big thing in the in the lore. I'm giving it to understand, <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's clearly it has special rules. It has a whole section about claiming and everything, so it's clearly important. Um, but I, what I think I. I didn't necessarily appreciate it until I played with it a little bit is it's not just about getting the agenda points, which is obviously nice, but it also makes you almost immune to a prestige loss if mm-hmm. you can hold on to it. Right. Um, because if just giving you that one prestige a turn, it doesn't sound like much, but prestige generation so far is very limited um and so one prestige a turn just keeps you out of you know out of that danger zone a lot of the time it keeps you out of the danger zone for a prestige loss um but then over time it also helps you on a ko loss because you can start to go wide um so there was one game the one game where i got the prince title uh i had a four wide board which i had not gone past three in the past and i wasn't even close to getting back down to zero i went four wide and still had like four prestige left over yeah um it's very strong (laughs) yep i think that um so for part of the season zero league uh after round three one of the changes they made was only or no i take it back round four um shuffle in the prince after setup. So you do, you shuffle the city deck, you draw your two cards and then shuffle the prince into the deck. Uh, I guess some of the data kind of lend to the fact that if one of the players got prince early enough, uh, they pretty much just ran with it the whole game. Yeah. And yeah, that I think the way they did it is probably the most elegant way they could try to fix it right now. Uh, I personally am not sure if that's enough yet because I don't think I saw or heard of a game where someone got the Prince and lost. <laughs> uh, so I, I, pl- I did play in one where I claimed the Prince and then my opponent took it from me and then I lost. Okay. Um, so, well, it was a little bit of a, <clears throat> it was so fun, fun story. Uh, Cause it was against, it was actually against Bruja. And so I claimed it and his attack used the, uh, the Bruja, card that exhausts all all vampires in the party and so my everybody was exhausted and then on his turn he swung back and hit and, and took took out who my my vampire who claimed the prince so what i learned from that is because you can't defend against a prince attack never you always just send the one vampire out to go claim prince because you can mm-hmm. always move your other vampires and join their party afterwards so lesson learned there <laughs> um, but but 
again, to your point, that was like I, I, I didn't even start my turn with it, right? So I, I, I had it technically, but I didn't actually get any benefit. Got it. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So Prince, Prince is super strong. I think everyone figured that out pretty soon. Um, one of the games I played, I had Prince and. I pretty much just ran with it. I felt bad. Like my opponent, there was really nothing he could do to even try to contest it. I, I was Toreador. Yeah. I had all the vagrants. It was just, yeah, it feels bad at that point. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure. So, if that... Go ahead. Just, yeah. So that's, that's the thing for me is uh, with, if, especially if you get Prince with vagrants or Prince with two defenders, out, mm-hmm. it can be real hard, uh, which is part of why, you know, we we did we kind of briefly mentioned it earlier I think but but in week three they looked at the stats Bruja was I think far ahead of everybody else and so they they made a couple changes to the decks um, and specifically for Bruja they took out Sucker Punch which is um, after it's a it's a attack card that lets Bruja choose who takes the damage so no matter if your opponent blocks or not they still get to pick whoever they want to suffer the damage. Um, and I think the fact that Sucker Punch is not a threat, again, in this specific weird meta, makes Prince stronger because you can just, like, a Prince and two and two guards pretty much means you're safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, like, you can just not do anything at that point and, and pretty much the clock is on your opponent and there's not much they can do. So I think that's kind of the, the question, right? Is, is once we get into a constructed environment, are there enough answers to, to the clock that your, you know, Prince puts on the game? Um, we'll see. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. It's, it's too early to really judge if that's going to be like a game breaking feature or not. We've, mm-hmm. we've not played with pre-constructed decks. Um, <laughs> one of my rules, uh, uh, misunderstandings when I first read the rule book to actually playing the game, I thought claiming the Prince title was just an action you could do at any time as like a kind of back and forth, constantly trying to claim it mechanic. I didn't realize, uh, yeah, like, once yeah. it's claimed, you have to right. knock out the person who has it. Knock it out, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, fun, fun rules. I'm sure there'll be more of those. Um, so the other the other kind of big rules change, I'm curious what you thought about, was the, uh, the Special Affairs Division mm-hmm. tinkering that they did. Yeah, so I, un- unfortunately, that was one of my games that I didn't get to play, uh, so I didn't see how that was uh without the two extra um so for those that weren't following the season it was uh, normally the deck has four sad um and they wanted to change it to where it's one sad per player so that would amount to only two in a 1v1 game um i think they just found that it just made them kind of ineffective as a um a threat uh there are definitely games where um, I would see two sad out and the players would kind of just let themselves get pinged a couple times if they had the vagrants or what have you. Because for me as Toreador, there were a couple times where uh, I had two vagrants, so I would just keep the sad out there because my opponent didn't. 
so just force them to use a their action economy uh, and their health to have to deal with them. Um, yep. Yeah. What, what did you think about the changes? So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I get why they did it in this pre-con format, I think is basically what it is. But I think in Constructed, there's plenty of ways of dealing with them. I mean, again, I'm, a, I'm also probably a little biased because it's Ventrue. I can just kick a sad out of the street uh, with my Haven at any time um, because they're, they're immortal. You don't get the point for it, but sometimes you don't need it. Um, and then also, uh, there's, there were times where I had enough with the Keeper of Elysium giving me an extra secrecy in my Haven. They could, like, one sad can't even shoot in at me. And so I, I'm not, I'm not even taking any damage kind of mm-hmm. the same thing as like having a vagrant. Right. So, um, in general, I think it's good because it gives, it gives you a reason to care about the street, um, for a, for a, for a deck that may not care. Like, again, like, like a venture, as much as I say that, um, without that Haven, you know, I mean, sad, sad can still, especially if a couple of them come out, like sad can still force you to deal with them. Um, and I think that's good because I think that it, it can help stop you from literally just playing a solo game. Uh, you know, so, so again, I, I guess, like I said, I, I understand why they did it, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, that that's kind of a, let's stay, keep that in the pre-con, you know, format. And, and I think four sad is, is a good number because, you know, if, if you, if you get two or three, then you go deal with it, right? Like, or, or whoever's ahead on blood is just going to win. So, like again, it it, it kind of pushes on the on the um, fabric of the game in, in what I think are kind of interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, what do you what do you think about the city deck as just a mechanic in general? So, I, I, it's pretty cool. I mean, I I I'm interested to see what they do with it. I I like the idea of it. Uh, first of all, you know, I, I like so far what it the basics of what it does. Um, some of the events are seem a lot more impactful <laughs> than <laughs> others, um, especially so depending on what time it is, right? Like we talked about the prince. Um, I mean, if, if first of all, if meeting at Alcatraz is in the deck, because, you know, you get rid of uh, a few of the events. Uh-huh. Um, and then if it comes out early or late, like that can totally change the complexion of a game because if it comes out late, and some, you know, somebody has a prince on on their leader. Um, that can be a totally different game than, you know, the prince just gets to sit at home and be safe, right? Um, whereas some of the other ones just aren't don't do much. But um, the other thing I'm, I'm interested to see is, you know, this is I think I think this is technically like San Francisco, right? Right. Um, and so, you know, if, if going forward, if hopefully, you know, like the game goes and, and keeps going, if they, if they can release other cities and, and tinker around with what's in the city deck, I think that's a, an interesting avenue for sort of balance uh, and, and adjustment to how the game plays that I think is really cool and interesting. So, you know, so hopefully we'll get to see some of that happen. Yeah, I think it opens up um, a lot of space for future expansions. Um they could be totally different city uh, city decks. Like you could have a Chicago or a New York or what have you. Uh, and as we know with, with Renegade and this is a, a, 
I know this is kind of quote the LCG model. I think they're calling it expandable card game is uh, yeah, how they're calling it. Okay, cool. Yeah, probably. Um, if you're used to FFG's games and how they rarely ever rotated, um, Renegade is kind of uh, committed to a, a aggressive rotation. So I think that the city deck could probably be part of that. Um, maybe the, I know there's they're doing a format. I don't remember the names of it. They're doing a format that's like everything and then the format that's the most recent things. So I could definitely yeah. see the, the San Francisco city deck being part of the old format. And then they bring in a new city deck for the new one. Uh, I can see that's something they can play with. Yeah. Um, I mean, it also well, like, you know, it gives them a, a way of messing around with that prince like you were talking about, you know, is is the change enough? Well, if, if it turns out that it's not, maybe they change what, how exactly the Prince title works, you know? Yep. Um, so. Yeah. Prince of San Francisco gets money, but Prince of Chicago could get more blood or something. You know, who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, in general, I feel like not in a bad way at all. This is not a criticism. I feel like the, the citizens are all very pretty basic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which I think is good, right? Like that's what you want at the start of a game. We're still getting used to it, but I also think that there's plenty of potential space to explore. You know? Yeah, I never saw a citizen that I couldn't see a use for. Uh, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like I never oh, saw yeah, a citizen yeah. like why? Why would I want this? Uh, you know, right. why would I want to gain this stat? I'm like, oh, because I have these cards that key off having these stats, uh, and I will probably never learn the name of all those stats, <laughs> uh, aspects oh, yeah. and obfuscate and all that stuff. So that, that'll either. be fun. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because I think all of the, all of the, you know, one of them just give you the base stats, the social, physical or, or mental. And then the other ones mm-hmm. give you either, um, the ones that give you the icons, either like you get to draw a card or they give you a, a BP. So it's like, even if you don't care about that, uh, discipline, you know, you still, you still get something out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, question. How often did you ever see someone do the burn option on a citizen? That is a good question. I actually don't think I ever No, Maybe once I might've seen it once. I don't think I ever did now that I think about it. And I think the one I saw might've been a vagrant. Which, so it was only two BP, mm-hmm. uh, but I think because I think it was maybe a Toreador that did it and just healed, sure, instead of attached because because probably like, had three already. Yeah, exactly. Had three. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, <clears throat> and you know, and they didn't get a point for attaching it. So cool. Well, do you have any final thoughts on the season zero pre-release league? Um, I mean, the, the only kind of final thought is, you know, the big thanks to, to Renegade and, and both Matt's, uh, Holland and, and Hyrab to, or for putting it on a really cool, you know, really cool event. Um, and I also loved the kind of the communication they kept up with the players. It was really refreshing, um, and nice to, nice to see. So, you know, big props there. Um, really maybe look forward to, to what's to come. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to echo the same sentiments. Um, I'll probably harp on this too much, but it's it's easy to make uh, comparisons to FFG and how they did things. And I'm sure the game is going to have a lot of uh, FFG refugees 
what with uh, Legend of the Five Rings game uh, recently being completed and you know other card games out there, people just wanting to play the new, the new hotness. Renegade has done a great job in communicating how they're going to run things, what they look forward to in the future. Um, if you don't know already, they have a official Rivals Discord where Matt Hira is out there looking for rules questions. He answers them pretty promptly. So there's there's that level of interaction that um, I think was desired elsewhere that is a really good look for the company. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I also glad they put this on. It, w- it was a nice, um, it was a nice format. Uh, everyone I played with was awesome. Everyone in the server was pretty happy just to be playing something new, um, a new game. Because I, the the Kickstarter for this, I think originally was supposed to be out uh, late last year, uh, but yeah, I think you know, so. Kickstarter gets its delays, so well, yeah, this you know, was a- everything that's going on with the world. And- <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So this was a this was a great way, I think, for them to kind of. Uh, sate everyone's appetites give them something to look forward to yeah um, oh yeah i can't wait to get my my actual cards in my hands now so yeah everyone um, loves the feel of that new card <laughs> oh yeah 